0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be talking animations in Angular. Um, joining us as panelists today, we've got Alyssa Nichol. Alyssa, how's it going?
1: Great. Hey, guys.
0: We got Austin McDaniel with us and G Panda. A little close <laughs> up there. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? <laughs> oh. We got Mike Rocky with us. Mike, how's it going? I can't follow that. I'll just say hello. All right. And our guest today is Matthias Niemela. Matthias, how's it going? Hey, guys. Doing good. How are you? Cool. All right. Uh, Matthias, t- uh, tell our uh, viewers who happen to not maybe know about you, uh, what's your deal, what you got going on, um, and maybe what you did before you were working with Google, and that's, that kind of stuff.
2: Give us a rundown. Okay, so I work at Google in Mountain View, California. I've been on the Angular team for four years now. Um, But I've only been here at Google for two years. Prior to that, I was living in Canada, in Toronto, uh, working as a contractor for the Angular project. And prior to that, I was a freelancer, um, which I did after getting a computer science degree. Um, But I've been building websites for... Something like 15 years like everything from design to DevOps all the way down to writing content um, Anything with a website will interest me um, Anything with the development strategies and anything to be done on them is always exciting and that's
0: why I really like working on this framework And you're the legendary year of Moo, right? That's right. Yes um,
2: so that's, that blog is what kickstarted me into Angular because when I first learned Angular about in two, summer of 2012, so four and a half years ago, there was nothing. Uh, it, was part, it was version one. Uh, was, everything got changed, and it was really hard to learn. And I knew that the only way that I could learn it really well was if I blogged about it and sort of really owned the content that I was teaching. And from there on, it kind of got me involved into the community, and then it got me involved with other things in the project and what happened was, I had sent Mishko an email. I was like, you know, I think, I think I wrote these blog posts. I really like what you guys are doing. One big feature which I really want, which you guys don't have, and you've been promising is animation. And Mishko's reply was, well, if you want it so badly, then you do it. And uh, then they got me involved with in the project, and that's, uh, that's my Cinderella story into uh, animations. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: very awesome, very awesome. Well, we can't wait to uh, get all the deets on uh, animation here in a minute. Um, Let's start off our show real quick with a little bit of NG news going on here. Um, We got Angular uh, 4.0.0 RC1 dropped recently, right? Um, So that's pretty exciting. Anybody want to chime in on that?
3: I think he's uh, poking at you, Matthias.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we've been working very hard um, over the past two weeks
2: in getting the RC, for 4.0 to launch. And what this means is the reason why we have to do so much work to get this done is to have all the APIs there set. So there's no breaking changes. And as you very well may know, we have a major release of Angular every, every half a year. And within that release, we introduce new APIs and we deprecate old APIs. So it doesn't mean that your app's going to completely break. Um, there should be very little things that you have to add to get new features to work. But you will see deprecation warnings for old APIs. So an example of this is if you use the old animation code, and the animations haven't changed at all, it's just they're imported from a separate package now, you will see in your editor, or in some code that inspects the uh, documentation, it will tell you that, hey, this code is deprecated, use this. And what that means is in the next version of Angular, Angular 5, which comes out in the fall, we will remove those deprecated code, the dep- deprecated code that you have, and that won't work anymore. So it gives you this nice half a year window to upgrade your applications to the latest and greatest features that Angular has.
0: So um, templates, one of the things that's changing, right? Uh, templates going to ng template, ng template, and. It- is that, um, has that changed for RC1 or is that the same sort of deal where, hey, it's a notice, we're going to be changing that and you have a little bit of time to upgrade that? So the template element is a little bit uh, questionable because it is a part of the browser spec.
2: The um, engine template is designed to work alongside that but then to add more of the control that we need for the framework to do its jump. I believe that it is a deprecated thing that you have to pay attention to and then upgrade by, the, by version 5. Um, I could be wrong on that, but uh, there's the project has so many people working on it. And there's so many separate areas, and I haven't been able to touch that particular component. But I am aware that it has
0: been upgraded to NG template. Okay, cool. So I think that's one thing to watch out for. People and they want to upgrade to their project right now to four point zero point zero RC one is you're gonna get the NG template notice for using template right. Is another one? Uh, is the opaque token changing? So you might know that? That did change. That's now injection token. And is that a breaking change as of RC4.0, uh, RC1? It's a deprecated change. Deprecated so change, okay. If you open up in your editor, you should see opaque token crossed out. It will still work,
2: but use injection token instead. Nice so
1: is- basically you're trying to do as many deprecated changes so that it gives people that six-month window? Yeah. Okay.
2: It's a hard thing to do to consistently be introducing changes and upgrades, but It gives the trust to the community that angular is changing, but it's changing at a rate and at a flexibility that allows for Everybody to hop on board and to try to do things
3: That's really awesome. I know how much work that is like as you know an open source contributor. That's nowhere near the level of uh, angular like how hard it is to manage deprecation and things like that. So that's really, really awesome.
2: Well, the way that I see it is if you watch a superhero movie and the superhero you know, like fights bad guys and stuff like that and then there's this one scene where he like, knocks a guy out but it's like, oh, he's fine, he's knocked out. But then you know, it's like, wait, that's kind of questionable. Like, did he die? Did something happen? And what I'm referring to is that inconsistency with certain characters where like, they behave in a certain way but then they do something and with the framework, we're trying to be as consistent as possible to not fall into that superhero trap. <laughs> How long have you been planning that, that
0: statement? I'm <laughs> really good at analogies. I, I compare analogies to everything. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, definitely, I think what it means is that, like, look, people should go ahead and, and look at upgrading to 4.0 RC1, right, um, knowing that, It'll notify them of the things that they're going to need change, but they should be able to switch over to it. I mean, one of the benefits right now, too, is the fact that we got uh, a lot of compiler improvements, right? With this drop? Yes,
2: yeah, so the biggest change with RC1 and the 4.0 branch is that we no longer do crazy, crazy amounts of AOT compilation. So what we were doing beforehand is that every input, every event, animation, and view, component, all that stuff, was generated into a machine-efficient JavaScript code. And while that's excellent on the performance level, on the payload level, it's not that great. Because that means that the bigger your app gets, the more code multiplies into the AOT world, and then ultimately you have a gigantic bundle that you have to download to make your application run. Now there's things like lazy loading that do improve on that, but the problem still is that there's too much code getting generated. And if you think about web applications, no other system does this, where they generate a bunch of JavaScript code and then pass that to the user. So it was a really good experiment to try to that extreme to see how well we could kind of predict and generate JavaScript code to make the applications run. But now we've taken a few steps back and we've gone to a nice little happy medium between dynamic code, which is code that's evaluated and run through at runtime, and code that is generated somewhat. when you have a component, all of the component's metadata and the component's bindings are code generated It's not close to as much code as it was before, but then the actual operation of evaluating that code and updating the DOM and the template and all that stuff is done within the guts of the framework. And this will reduce the payload size by a huge margin, and it won't, the performance set won't be anywhere near as it would be if it was totally dynamic. So it's a really good balance between the two. So is this the AOT stuff
3: that we're talking about here, or the um, what What specifically is that code that you're talking about?
2: So if you think about AOT versus JIT, which is just-in-time, ahead-of-time and just-in-time, just-in-time means that it runs. It's when you try it out in a plunker, uh, and it just runs right away, kind of like AngularJS. And AOT means that it can do some degree of optimization ahead of time before you actually give the website to the user so that it runs and boots and operates as fast as possible. So these changes are pretty much, all of it is in the realm of AOT. If you use just-in-time compilation, it will behave exactly the same way as it did in Angular 1, or sorry, in Angular 2. But the point being is that what we want with Angular is we want for users to develop in the just-in-time mode and then once the website's ready to be delivered to the user, they run it through AOT and it's as efficient and performant as possible.
4: And to be clear, all these changes are uh, under the hood, so there's nothing that I need to do as a developer to take advantage of that. If I was running AOT before, it would run through the same process from the surface level of what I was calling and the only benefit, or the benefits come out in the output, not so much in anything that I need to change That's my right. build process. So we get it all for free. All we have to do is keep using our same processes, and uh, we get it all for free. Assuming we're taking advantage of uh, AAT. For
1: free. (laughs) (laughs) It's free.
0: Totally, totally. All right, let's uh, talk about the CLI, since Mike just jumped in there. Uh, We got a 1.0.0 RC0 on that thing release as well.
4: Yeah, so uh, we're going to let Angular have all the fun of uh, getting a release candidate out there for version four. So uh, we finally announced and went to a release candidate of the um, CLI. So, release candidate one or zero, excuse me, was out last week. And I think we're aiming to get a RC1 out this week. Uh, no promises on that, but I think that's what we're aiming for. And then we will get, um, we're just marching towards final, try and stabilize, fix some bugs, and uh, things stable and ready.
1: So how does that work with things like animations that once were in the main package and they are now their own package and the CLI. Do the CLI gods give us that by default? Or like how you does that work? You can't fast forward through this episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Is <laughs> that a fast forward move? I thought it was a natural progression to the I'm sorry.
2: I do I do syntax to Hans here at Google. <laughs> So I could just peer over his screen to make sure he's doing, you know, the animation integration, <laughs> that's, <laughs> but the... Wait,
1: Hans turns around, you're like, what are you doing, Hans, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, we're hoping that um, there's a few changes in the, or a few additions to the animation API, and having that be a part of like the CLI as it builds it would be really nice. And it's just a matter of putting the right pieces in the right spots before version 4.0 final is released, and Is then, that something
1: that you like want community help on, or is that kind of like a, it's so sticky, I wanna do it myself? Not to be weird about it, I'm it, just
2: curious. Could be up until 4.0 final, because uh, I re- these new APIs, which have been working really hard to get done, will open the doors to lots of really cool things, like lots of ex- like, plugin, like plug-in level support for animations, and you guys, I'll, I'll show you these in a few minutes, what exactly we have planned.
0: Okay, cool. So um, real quick on the CLI, then, Mike, so some things have changed, right, in terms of what people people are going to upgrade, right, to RC0 on that. We got some file name changes, a couple things in in that, right?
4: Yeah, I think those may have dropped with the latest beta as well. I think those came out with 32.3, which was, I guess, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Now, uh, the configuration file was angular-cli.json, And that's now moved to .angular-cli.json, just adding a dot in the beginning, uh, just for it being a configuration file Just find that following a convention there uh, to move that in. However, um, we did make it backwards compatible, so if you don't rename that file, we'll still find it. uh, And it won't be a breaking change, but we do advise you rename the file. Um, Also, there's been some structural changes within the CLI configuration file. Um, but nothing too earth shattering. Just some better organization of the defaults, uh, so you can specify different things for your generations in a more organized manner.
0: And then I noticed that like uh, a lot of the docs for it were in the README, and that's kind of been moved. Where's the home now for the docs going to be for the CLI? Oh, I see.
4: Should, I, should, I should remember the I, I did a lot of work on that uh, so yeah uh, a lot of you know if you went to the README a lot to find out information about the CLI it has been stripped out dramatically and the readme is basically a high-level overview um, and that's strategic and most of the documentation that was in there has been moved into the wiki so if you go to the repo and click on the wiki uh, tab up top you'll be able to you'll start at the home page or the overview uh, of the CLI and be able to branch out there to find out all the options available for everything that you can generate and build processes and, and pretty much everything else. It's just about complete. Um, it has come a long way in the last uh, month or so uh, to be able to explain everything that's out there. I want to check with one last thing uh, because I heard rumor. yes, and also the um, cli.angular.io has also been updated. Uh, so now you can head over to uh, cli.angular.io. The instructions have been updated to uh, reflect the new changes and also look back uh, to the repo itself.
0: And you mentioned the cli.angular.io. Uh, That's the microsite, right? That Several of these uh, things that are being put out by Angular, are these. they have these microsites as well, right? I think, uh, does Material and does Universal have one? Do you guys know about that? Material.
2: Go ahead. I'm not sure about Universal, but the goal is to have separate websites for each major project, so it even looks like Animations is going to get its own website, too.
0: Cool. So okay. that's, a, that's a good entry point for people to know. Like They can hit that um, those domains and kind of get started with, with that stuff. All right, um, we also have a TypeScript 2.2 drop. Austin, you want to chime in on that?
3: I don't know what was added. I just know that it... <laughs> incremented that. no I think there's some uh, interface extending and in various like small things
0: there's
4: some um automation of imports so uh, previously I had not saw an extension into uh, vs code that if I were to type in add component or reference component it would automatically add the import to um, import component from at Angular slash uh, core but uh, that's just an example, but um, it'll automatically add imports for you uh, natively uh, without the use of extensions um, Through typescript not so much through an extension So, so some feedback Helpers
3: it automatically adds
4: imports for you. I don't know if I like that I, I I think it gives you the option to be able to add them and VS code has tapped into those options It's it's something that you can take advantage of but you, you're it's not forced upon you
0: Yes, you like it. Really You're gonna like, like. it. We're back to globals again. Come on, guys. Well, you got to put that import statement in there, anyways. Do you want to type it, or do you want it to auto complete for you? I don't know. I'm just I, being difficult. <laughs> I think it also gives
4: some niceties about finding uh, properties on this. So if you me- if you reference uh, this dot first name and first name isn't a property on the class, I think you could have it generate the property for you on the class. So just some dev time uh, helpers uh, and then uh, some other things that I haven't quite dug into yet.
0: All right, cool. Well, that that does it for news. Let's uh, get into the real meat of it, huh? Let's talk about uh, animations. Um, so first off, like, uh, why does Angular have animation support built in? Like, why is this a thing? And we're talking. And what are we talking about here in terms of animations? Okay, so to get started with
2: that, um, I'd say the reason why we have it built in is, um, so because Angular, the framework itself, facilitates its views and property changes and everything in its own world. And it does so as efficiently as possible. Now, what this means is for the end user to be like, oh, I want to animate on enter, I want animate, to animate and leave, they absolutely have to go for the framework. And uh, having, this core understanding, at least the foundation in place within the framework to tap into these effects is completely vital. If we roll back to AngularJS, we added entry leave move support right away, and then we, uh, we enhanced it by adding more CSS support, and then we added class detection. But from the outside world, these are just hooks. And Angular Event understands that a hook is running, it makes the window of time, and then it lets the animation finish, and then it continues forward. And it's been a long journey sort of exploring what APIs, how we can add these things or remove certain properties to make this as flexible as possible. And with version 4.0, we've, we we've had to change how everything works under the hood, but this new change, this new refactoring allows for a lot of new crazy things that could be hooked into the framework's animation engine. Like using variables. We'll see that very soon, yes.
0: And so we're talking like um, CSS animation stuff with some logic wrapped around that to be able to like conditionally do that animation? Are we talking more than just that? Are we talking like stuff? Yeah.
2: So the thing with CSS animations is is that when people look at CSS transforms or transitions and keyframes, uh, they assume that that's that solves all the cases. They assume that that's like the be all end all API, it's for the W3C, they don't. all All the use cases that are possible are satisfied from the API and that isn't true. And just because it's in CSS and it's easy to use doesn't mean that there aren't other approaches that need to be taken to enhance the quality of animation support on the web. And with that said, This API, which is the same thing in Angular 2 and Angular 4 now, is we have a functional composition of animation primitives, so styling and sequences and groups and transitions between states. And Angular is able to comprehend that code and then perform a sequence of animations over over a a specified amount of time. (laughs) And as this API evolves, as we get closer to 4.0, We'll see the ability to affect multiple elements at the same time. We'll see the ability to hook into sub-players, and to control it from a much higher dimension of animation control that is very, very hard to do with CSS keyframes and CSS transitions.
1: So like I think of myself as someone who understands animations like a little bit, at least. And you just said the phrase, functional compositions between animation primitives. Sorry. Like you said that like it was, I'm going to have a PB&J, please. Like, <laughs> can you <laughs> just break that phrase down like a little bit? And... I'm,
2: I'm a little bit in a bubble uh, <laughs> with, with the team. We, you know, we have like, back before AngularJS was out, you probably wondered what transclusion meant. And then you saw a Wikipedia page where you're like, oh, that's... <laughs> okay, so what I mean by functional composition is think of a programming language. You have for loops and if statements and other functions that you call within. And from a compiler's perspective, it's reading that code, and it's operating, it's setting up the instructions based on that instruction set that you gave it. So if you take that into animations, you have instructions. Do this animation, and then once that's done, do this animation, but run these two animations inside in parallel. And that's kind of like a programming language, you're giving instructions. And the way that we do that is instead of having our own language, we just use helper functions to, so um, if you've ever used something like, uh, what's that HTML markup language? Jade, if you've ever used Jade, you have these little primitives for like making HTML tags, and then inside you have the content and then you have the attributes and so on, right? That is its own language. It's very, very familiar to us all because it's very close to the DOM structure, but that is interpreted by some software and that's turned into the final result.
1: So you're so. making kind of like a jade for HTML, like, but for like, ang- like angular animations kind of thing, is what you're saying, or not at all?
2: Yeah, well it's kind of, it's just, uh, okay, another better, a better example is think about testing unit tests. You have describes and its, and, dis- and uh, other describes, right? And before mm-hmm. each statement. Those are all a handful of functions that produce a test. They tell the browser exactly what steps to go through at what time. That's exactly what we're doing with animations. And that's exactly how it's been with Angular 2. And it's not changing, the, the APIs stay the same for Angular 4.
1: Okay.
3: How does uh, the Angular framework compare to you know popular frameworks like GreenSock
2: and things like that? So GreenSock is a library. Now, it's not like a library turns into a framework. It could. But the point is that a framework takes control of the application. A library is something you opt into. A Green Sock definitely handles its use case really well as a library because users give it instructions. They give the elements that they want to animate, and the GreenSock makes it happen. Angular, if you were to extract Angular's animation code from the framework, you would be able to do that. But the key thing that we can do with the framework is that we tap into all the events within the life cycle of the application where the user insert it, where the routes change, when properties are changed on the animation trigger, we take control and we make that animation
0: happen. I think that's a real like the a powerful part, part of, of uh, having uh, this animation in the framework, right? Is that you've got this scenario where you're like, okay, well I could write some CSS animation. And I could tie into a class using the property bindings with Angular, and I can make this animation run and happen, right? Um, but the minute I need to do something like I, I say, I want to take some, I want to animate something in and then take it off screen. And when I take that off the screen, I want to use ngIf to completely remove it from the DOM. Well, once it's removed from the DOM, then my CSS is kind of out of place. So now I need some type of logic to say I still want this thing to work, but I want it to like finish the animation at this certain point in time around the framework and the things that the framework and the platform's doing. And so with the animation um, module here, we're able to do that, right, we're able to call that. And then the other part is the fact that we can chain these animations together and make this, these logical decisions of uh, just this whole animation run together, and, and that's what this is giving us, right? Um, and then I guess the third thing is that, now with this DSL, the, the, the way that we write this, these animations is we've got it kind of contained in, in one spot, right? Uh, we, we're declaring kind of the, um, the states that we're checking, the animations that we're going to run, all in kind of one confined block that's all kind of easy to read versus having it in, in CSS over here, some logic over here, and this class binding change over here, and they all tie together, but it's not really clear when you look at the code of they all work together, right? So we get yeah. that with the animation stuff. That's definitely the hard part uh, with
2: animations in CSS because if you think about animations in CSS, it's kind of like looking at a 2D world and then you take an animation DSL, which is like a 3D world, which composes multiple 2D elements together. Uh, that's, that's the way that I see it. And it's, it's hard with CSS. It's like, how do you detect if a transition's finished? Well, you have an event that fires, but the event that fires is only, only fires if an animation actually caused a property change. And what happens if you fire another animation on top of it? Do they, do they Does it fire two events? Does it fire only one event? What happens if you're animating something like border that has a top, left, bottom, right set of properties? Does it throw four events or does it not? These things were handled by AngularJS and we definitely got them to work but with Angular 2 we wanted to take a, a much more uh, holistic approach to animations where it's not dependent on the DOM, it's dependent on the data that's provided but in a friendly-like manner so you're not you, t- you don't have to learn a whole new system. You're using something that you are familiar with.
4: So one thing that's different about uh, animations within Angular uh, versus any of the other uh, animation libraries that I've seen with or played with uh, is the idea of states. Where did that idea come from? Because I think that's a different approach and a different way of approaching things.
2: So The states idea came from is an uh, enhancement to the idea of adding or removing CSS classes. The problem with adding and removing CSS classes is that it's a dub level thing. The browser understands classes, but if you have a renderer which isn't browser centric, like native script, it can add or remove classes in its own way. So, states is a higher level abstraction of having a component be in a certain spot at a certain period of time. And that is something all the other Renderers and all the other things could agree on that. Hey, okay, we've changed this state property to this state. Now do your animation whatever way you want. But from the business logic side of the application, it, the state that it's gone to is there.
4: So oh, again, okay. um, I was curious, because um, coming, my, I come from a .NET background, I've done some WPF, and the way that they manage their animations is through states and transitions with it, uh, across the states.
2: That's well. right. So it's yeah. a very
4: similar paradigm.
2: Yeah, uh, Flex as well, because I, I work a lot with Thomas Burlson. Uh, he does uh, a lot of the Material 1 stuff, and then he's done the Flex layouts for Material 2. And me and him, for all the new animation ideas that we have, we work together first. We think of the ideas, we think of the API, and then I bring it down the pipeline and going through some of the other members of the team and eventually becoming something that works. And uh, he had worked with Flex a lot, and This Notion of states is what sort of we came up with. Me, him, and Mishko came up with, and uh, it satisfied the needs that we have for animations. And that Flex project you're talking about, the Flex layout project. Yes. Uh, Well, uh, so we have Flex, which is uh, the old uh, Adobe Flex, Uh, and then we have Flex Layouts, which is the Material Two project for the uh, layout engine of that. material that the pelvis works out. so there's two different flexes just happen to be the same day
3: I actually use the flex layout uh, component it's amazing definitely suggest to everyone to check it out like I never have to worry about Flexbox again and like you were talking about you can actually base the layouts around your data types right so you don't have to try to you know massage the CSS and it's kind of really on the same note there yeah exactly.
0: So if uh, somebody was going to get started and they're like, okay, I want to add animations to my Angular application, um, and they look up and they start seeing, okay, how, this is how I can do this in CSS, I mean, um, are we really wanting to guide them to say, look, your first and only stop is really going to go to uh, grab the animations module and start uh, writing your animations within this DSL. Um, and then what does that DSL look like or, or explain it? Okay, well, I'll, I'll share my screen. How does that sound? Great. Okay.
2: So these are the things I'm going to talk about, but now that you asked that question, let me let me, um, do that. So for those who actually, for, for a beginner who understands the basics of animations, everybody can see my screen okay, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So you have my component, and we know that it has a template. So let's just make a template that has a simple ngif that has some expression. And in that expression, it will say, I am activated. Then we have a button that, when it clicked, will activate that div. And this has an expression value. And this is all TypeScript code. Um, this is an expression value that gets executed. So we know that this guy will will sh- reveal itself to the page. And if you want to use CSS, you could have a class here. You could say, animate me in. And then your styles, you could have animate the in and have a transition. This is non-angular animation code. Works. But the problem is, what happens when you remove it? There's no way to tap into the removal because CSS doesn't, CSS works on what's in the page. It doesn't work what's going away in the page. And this is the, probably the best use case to start off by using animations with Angular 2 API. So if it's all right, I'm going to start showing the DSL. Is that what we should show?
0: Yeah, I think so because we're, we're talking about, we're looking at going, okay, look, if I want to write this, I could write this exactly what you showed, right? But... Really, I probably don't I want to write it within the DSL, because not only does it give you the power of what you just mentioned, but everything kind of going forward, right? Right. So to get started, this is Angular 4 code.
2: You're going to import a few things. So you're going to import trigger. Actually, you know what? Let's import everything. Let's say star as animation, or edit edit from Angular animations. So this, is, this is how it is at Angular 4. And now, instead of having this, we'll delete this code. Actually, we'll keep it side by side animations, and you will say anim.trigger, and you'll call this guy fade in, and then you'll say anim, well actually we'll call this a, just to make it a little bit easier to follow, so then transition, and we are going to animate on enter, and we are going to animate on leave. So for enter, we want to say that it's going to show up at the page, so we're just gonna say animate by 500, and let's say that we start off by having it be hidden, so we say opacity zero, and then we say animate by 500. That will basically take what opacity is, and where opacity is gonna go to, which is gonna be opacity one. For leave, it will be animate 500, but we'll tell it to animate to style of opacity zero. So that gives us the enter and leave effects. And we don't need to use this anymore. We can get rid of that. We can get rid of the class. Get rid of this. And now to make this work, we just have a flag here called fade if. That's it. Now, every time the if goes to true or false, so if we make this a toggle, when it goes to true or false, it will kick off the faded trigger, and it will find the corresponding animation transition and it will fire off the actual animation itself. Does that make sense? Yep, totally.
1: I just don't get why the style is inside of animate on the leave, but not on the enter.
2: So this means that style is applied immediately. There's no timing, so as soon as it enters, you want it actually to be invisible right away. Okay. You could say this, you could say style, opacity one right here if you want to, but Angular is smart enough to actually fill that in for you, because it knows um, that we are going from zero to whatever the final state will be.
1: So if you only wanted to go to, like, I don't know, for some reason 75%, you could say it there, and it wouldn't ever take it to one, correct?
2: Yes, exactly. Okay, gotcha. What you could also do is you could have a state here. It will say void, because this leave is actually going to the void state. So leave is going from any state to void. That's just a shortcut for that. And we could say style, and we could say Opacity zero, and what this means? Now we don't even have to have this value, because it knows that it's going from from start of void from, from whatever the other st- whatever the the non void state is to the void state, it's going to animate by half a second, and it picks up the state value from here. The cool thing about this is that you could actually say this, though. You could say any other state make sure that opacity is 1. And now you don't even need anything. Does that make sense?
1: Sorry. My brain is yeah, a little so, slower than yours. I think I'm with you, though.
4: <laughs> yes, you have two different states. One is any state, and one is no state. Yes.
1: And can we use this outside of this component, or no?
2: If you want to have... You want to reuse the animation? So well, I will get to that in a moment because that's an API that we're, that's coming in for. Um, one last thing to add on to here these enter lead values are actually shortcuts. Enter is actually void to star and start to void. So what you could actually do is you could delete all this code and say when it goes from any state to any state, animate for 500 seconds or 500 milliseconds. So you could just specify the state styles in here and then it will animate between those. And let's say that you want to have additional states. You want to actually have state val, and state val could be a string. Let's say we could have it could be uh, it could be on, it could be off. Uh, let's just say it's off by default. It could be one of these values, right? On or off. What happens here is that for the on value, you could say that it's going to be is greed. For the off value, you could say it's gonna be background of red. And anytime those states change one from one to the other, it will animate the arc in between.
1: And void is again, it's like leave or something.
2: What is when the element is not in the page anymore?
1: So it's going to happen right before it leaves, right? Because there's no point of giving an animation to something that doesn't exist. So it's kind of like right before I leave, do this thing, or?
2: Yes, it's basically like I'm going to the state void, but then internally it knows that once it reaches void, it deletes the element for the page.
3: Can it have like
2: compounding
3: states, right? right. So you've got star and then you could have on. If I have star, is it going to like, so if I have on, is it going to ignore star or is it going to run them in order?
2: No, be, this, this state value, the star state is always a uh, backup. If nothing
1: else is failed. Backup if nothing. Oh, that's good to know. Good question, Panda. <laughs> 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 I assumed it would be always like do this for everything and then add on onto it. So good. That's good. Yeah. So, to
4: cl- so to clarify, um, in this current animation, if I were to toggle the value to true, uh, which would then set the state to on, well, assuming that code's added um, in the JavaScript or TypeScript, would the opacity also animate, or just the color?
2: Just the color. But okay. given that opacity is one by default for the browser, what would happen is it would actually fill in this auto style in here. It would fill that in automatically. It actually give it a star value. So any properties that are missing between one state and the other, because the void state is using opacity and the on state is using background, it would actually make an, it would actually do this, or when it goes from a transition, when it goes from void to on, it will automatically make an animation that says style, opacity zero, because that's what it starts with, background, star. And then it will animate for 500 seconds and say opacity is gonna be star, and background's gonna be green. And these star values, are automatically filled in by the browser because they're they're detected from the element itself. So it really, and we're really... not worried
1: about that with like different browsers being funky, funky, funky. We... No,
2: because the get computed style of API is has been around for a while, and oh. Web Animations handles the output that comes from it. So, one last thing is this is actually incredibly handy if you have a height value. So, if you, if you actually say that height here is going to be zero, it will actually do height zero from here. It will say height star. So, whatever the height of the box is, taking it out of, like, even if the padding or margins are there, it will figure out the height of the box and will animate it to that height automatically.
1: That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Th-
0: these are some of those value-added propositions that are like, this is why you you were excited about having this as part of the platform, right? And and why you'd want to use this is all these things that it's taken care of for us.
1: So I like style it how I want in the CSS, and then if I use the starbud, it's going to know like the height that it ended up with or the height that its content is making it.
2: Yes. So whatever will show up on screen at the end is what it will figure out the height as being.
4: So I have a question. another question. So if you were to redefine um, after the state.on another line that has state defining on, are those additive or uh, overriding?
2: No, they don't override. They are just exactly what they are here. So if I, if I were to define on again, it would, it would replace the existing on. And this value, once again, is only used as a backup. So it okay,
1: replaces no, no, it, which means it overrides?
4: Yes. Yeah, so so I can re- have another on that defined height on top of the on the define background
2: green. If you had another on, it would re, like it the background green would be removed. Okay. OK. The
4: reason I ask is because you had mentioned that you were
2: going to touch on the
4: idea of moving the animations out and potentially overriding existing animations
2: with state. OK, let's talk about that right on then. So this, one, one more thing before I hop into this is you have Angular animations. And then there's a second thing you have to import. To make this work, you have to Angular for platform browser. Animations, and then you have to say, you have to import uh, a module called Browser Animations Module. And then in your edgy module, which is the module that defines the whole app, you'll say imports Browser Animations Module. Does that make sense? Otherwise, it won't. The uh, animations won't run until you do that. Okay, so let's talk about. We talked about the module changes. I'm going to change this around to have <coughs> reusable animations first, programmatic Because this is a new API that's coming in. So, in the animation code, you notice that this code is housed inside of a component. You could very easily import, you could can, can very easily put this into another file and import, import the array from here. That would work. But if you want to have like a truly reusable module level of code, this is the new API that I'm planning. Me and Thomas Burlsen have been working on this for a while. What you would do is you would say, let's say that you have a file. We'll call this file uh, animations.ts. And then we'll say that that export var fade in animation. And this is an animation, and all that's happening in here is we are saying style, capacity 0, and animate for 1,000, capacity 1, right? That's fading in something, and then we have a fade out, which is actually the reverse of this, I want to say, It goes from style one to this. This is fade out. What you can do now with the regular four is you'll be able to import, so let's say app.ts, you will say import fade in animation, fade out animation from animations.ts. And then in your code, you could say components, animations, and you have a transition or a trigger faded out. Then you could say transition. Uh, you'll say animate child faded animation. That's really awesome.
3: Are you? Uh- so I, I can already see, like, people, like, sharing animations uh, between, like, you know, in, in re- open source repos and stuff like that. Is there any plans for, like, the team to have some, like, built-in, you know, animations that people kind of use over and over?
2: Yeah, so it's nice to have a lot of the material animations be abstracted into these u- reusable things. And uh, to have NPM packages be incredibly easy to hook up. You just import the stuff from the NPM package and use it. Now there's one thing I left out here. You can actually alter the duration. You could say instead of running it for one second, run it for five seconds. And what it will do is it will actually know how to warp this animation to run for five seconds. Can you ro- override other properties there or is it just the... Yeah,
1: is it just time? Time.
2: What's, uh, there's another API I'm gonna talk about which allows you to change these properties. But what we have planned for, this, is, this feature is not gonna be an Angular 4. Is you can actually give it definitions. You could say that we'll have a variable called O. Uh, I don't even know what the API is going to look like. We'll say dollar O, and then in here you would be able to say dollar O. But I have a much better solution I'm going to talk about regarding this in a minute. Point being is that w- since we have this animation function, the animation function we can add the functionality to without breaking the API. That's why we have it. This here. makes
1: me so happy. I'm so excited. Let's
2: <laughs> say, oh, it's going to be one.
0: Ooh. Pass that in directly and animate <laughs> oh, Yeah, like, I'm so tempted to just leave the episode right now and go start doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> that's not the feminine, he said, though. that's, that's-
1: I know. <laughs> Hinda, you always gotta be a downer. Can you just let my dreams be dreams?
4: <laughs> we, know, we know that Alyssa is living this episode in the future, so she's, go ahead and play.
2: <laughs> she is talking at uh, at edgy cruise, so I do got to teach her a lot of stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so continuing. Uh, so, one thing you'll still notice is that all this code is still in the component, even though I'm importing stuff, it's still all in the component. Now, check this out. So I'm going to go to another tab here. Right here. let's go to the code right here. So here I have an animation that brings the animation emblem or the angular emblem across the page, rotates it and then animates it back, right? So this right here is not actually running in the component code at all. What's happening here is let's go into the template first.
1: So do you always Vim all the things? Is this your normal life?
2: Uh, I Vim for conferences and demos, but when I work on the framework, I have to use WebStorm because it has a huge class structure. And Vim's, Vim can definitely do it, but it, a lot more faster with TypeScript in uh, WebStorm.
1: Gotcha.
2: Okay, so we have the loading symbol, and the loading symbol is just HTML. There's no triggers in here. There's no add symbol. All we have is a reference to that element. What happens is we pull it into the component using a view child, and then we inject something called an animation factory. The animation factory, then, we can actually define the full animation in the component. We don't have to put it in the component metadata, it's actually a part of the component code. And these are using the exactly same animation code that we had before. There's a few other things in here that we're using. And we create it on the fly, given the elements. We get back the player. And then the player, we have control over frame by frame. So we have a method called set position of the player, which means when it runs, I can control it frame by frame.
0: I wish we had sound effects because there'd be a lot of cheering right now. <laughs>
1: I want to go back. Go back to the code real quick. I just wanted to look at the lines. Just okay. Set position. So
2: this uh-huh. set method is called within the HTML. We have an input field of range, and what it's doing oh. is pulling position directly.
1: I like it.
2: We're giving it a step of 0.1, so it's basically every time it's moving at a 1% rate, and then that's getting fed in directly into the player that we got from creating the animation. So, also to answer your question about variables, the variables I showed you over there are a little bit more integrated into reusable animations. But for your SVG code, you could just define it in the component, and it will work the same.
3: Yeah, as
2: you were writing that, I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) So this this code will definitely be for version 4, because it's using the same animation code that we have in the component. And you'll be able to just pull in the player into the code. Now, the difference now, which I'm going to add, is that those same imports that we had before, the fade out animation, fade in animation, you could just say fade out animation here. You can import it from another library, and then you could just say create it from that.
3: That's awesome. And is this uh, in RC1 or 0 right now?
2: One. This code right here is, it is technically in RC1. It's, it's hidden, but it's in there. <laughs> uh, this API I'm trying to figure out over the next week just to get it to be perfect with these two things. But like, this will definitely be for EdgeCode. We definitely use this uh, after 4.0.0 is ready for EdgeCode. Nice.
4: So is there any chance that you would be able to take this uh, fun little demo that you have run locally and create a blonker that we can share in the release notes?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I could do that, sure. Now, just have to have the warning that this API method for create and the injections most likely going to change, but the actual feature itself is going to stay the same, and the animation code within is going to stay the same. I already okay. tweeted that this is the new API.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we made promises on your behalf.
2: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, the next big thing is, so if we go to the top, uh, oh, it's a different file. So we talked about, I'm not gonna talk about custom engines. Custom engines basically means that in this trigger code, I could have something say, sock animate. But this is a completely separate method. What could happen is this method would just build up a bunch of instructions, and then you would have another animation module that you import, to the GreenSock module that could animate it for you. Uh, this is a lot more technical. It's, it's the way that the animations were built. It's not something I could teach in a few minutes. But the point is that the animation code is technically extendable. You can add. You could have a Canvas animator. You could have a WebGL animator that just takes the data from Angular and animates it.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's going to be helpful.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I'll try to have a nice, cool demo for EdgeCode. Okay, so we... We talked about reusables. We talked about the other stuff. Uh, There's two huge features. I've been promising querying for a while, and that's definitely coming. Um, <laughs> with querying, you'll be able to pull in a sub trigger. So if you have, if we go up here, you can see, let's say that inside the NGF we had a sped. We say that this guy is called sped, sped animate. And what could happen is, let's say, say for this particular animation, avoid to un, we can actually query, we'll say a.query and we will look for at span animate. This could be a query selector of any sort. The at symbol is just our, it's added in addition to query, and you could say query for that and just say, use the same method as we had before, animate child. And whatever animation is triggered onto here, it will animate that in addition. Will those be done in parallel
4: or after completion of the
2: fade in? Well, that's where these methods come in because this is going to happen right away. But so let's say that you have another animation here, right? You animate something for one second. It does, uh, let's say it does height 100, right? So this animation will run first and then this one will run. But if you want to make these sort of parallel, you could just put a group, a.group. This is this is already something of the API. These both are to parallel
1: up. So, query: Are you just using it to t- chain things, basically, like find and chain kind of thing, or uh, did I get that wrong?
2: The query will find this guy,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it will then activate the animation for that. Just think of it like jQuery. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay. So eventually, if, if you actually had an ng4 here, I know we don't have too much time, so the last thing I'll talk about then is uh, ng4. Um, actually, no, wait a second. We still have time. Never mind. <laughs> uh, let's say we had a bunch of items. You can actually query for the ng4. You'd have to add a class here. Just say item. an item, and then you can do an animation for that. And then in addition, because you have a collection of elements, you could say stagger. So this actually be query all, because query querying multiple things. And then you could stagger, That you can animate stuff inside. Stagger, you can have it so that it has a 100 millisecond gap between everything, and then it animates, say, height to 100. Say that this guy styles everything so it's small. And then it animates that, if that makes sense.
1: Wait, what was the Stagger again? Sorry, it's like a delay?
2: Do that instead. Uh, this, it, it, it finds all the items the page, and it mm-hmm. sets the height to 0. And then it goes through each item one by one with a 100 millisecond gap between the next items. And then it okay. and then it animates uh, heights back to 100.
1: Well, that's fancy.
2: So the querying will work on any element, and you can can find inner animations. So let's change this one more time. Let's actually have it so that that span animate method is a part of the NG4. You can just say animate child uh, for one second and it will animate the span animate code. So you can have an animation inside of another element that I can find and activate.
1: Oh.
4: Yeah. All right, so w- there's been a whole lot of really cool things.
1: <laughs> I know, right?
4: <laughs> and it's already been mentioned that everybody wants to just run and play. So my question to you, as somebody who's used and played with animations a whole lot more than most people, is how do you go about pumping the brakes so that you don't have applications of a to-do application that just shows items in a list that with things moving all over the screen? How do you pump the brakes and uh, how do you suggest...
2: <laughs> not animating everything <laughs> <laughs> just a, a discipline that you'll have to learn on your own <laughs>
1: That's, he's just here to provide us with the tools he doesn't regulate the tools usage right yeah, yeah. <laughs> He
3: provides the gun and the bullet it's your, your, your <laughs> I,
1: I just don't want to
4: have to be going to a- applications on the web and have buttons moving around that I have to try and click a moving button to log into a web page.
1: No, I think that's a need now just for you. We're going to have to make that happen.
2: <laughs> there are more things.
1: Oh, more! Oh, my gosh! Uh,
2: uh, I do think we're out of time,
0: right guys? Are, are we? Uh, <laughs> hey, I think you. if you got more to show, show it. Okay, I would. <clears throat> I'll show one more thing
2: i uh, not going to explain how it works internally, because this is an API I have to have. Uh, I have to figure out everything first. But if you guys are familiar with CSS transforms and how much of a pain they are, let's say we have something that says move across page, right? You will know that having to do this transform translate x is a pain in the ass, right? You guys could all agree, correct?
1: I mean, I just kind of got used to it. I concur.
0: <laughs> okay, well,
2: <laughs> what happens now if you want to have the thread property stay at 100 pixels and then, say, scale it to 2? You have to copy this value over. Mm. And then, every time, you have to make sure the string is the same, and it's a lot of code to scan with your eyes. So, you could do this, <clears> though. <throat> Before, you could just say x is going to be 100. Uh, You have to add another property to your module to enable this. But then here you could say scale is going to be 1. And then you could just say x is going to be star. It pulls it in from before.
1: Ooh, that's cool.
2: And x is not a property in CSS, but we've added it. So there will be an API for you to add whatever property you want. You could have something called card flip. And it will fill in all the styles that are essential for a card flip to happen. <laughs> yeah.
3: Did you just step on a
2: rat? <laughs> What's that? It's
1: not my fault. He just keeps saying cool stuff.
2: <laughs> okay, but that's 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 all I can show for now.
1: Oh man, I'm so pumped.
4: <laughs> so when you say that's all you can show for now, is that because you ran out of time? Or just because or is that a teaser that there's still more to come just that you're not ready to show today
2: I just read it out of time <laughs> <laughs> and yes there's more to come yes of course all right um, wow I'll have nice. to get back
0: on the show for again yeah after it yeah that sounds that's, that'd be great uh, all right well I, I guess we better get to picks and stuff and, and wrap this puppy up uh, Matias, you got any pics that you want to share?
2: I have been so focused on uh, getting all this done, so I don't have any pics. Uh, I'm looking to buy a Nintendo Switch. I'm like debating it. I don't know. It looks pretty cool. Uh, so that's that's the one thing I want to talk about.
1: I haven't heard about it. Is it like a new console or something? That's, I'm kind of. I
2: know. it's portable. It's pretty cool. I play games here and there, so it'll be fun mm-hmm. to have.
0: Alyssa, you got
1: something? Uh, just really excited about NG Comp coming up. Oh my gosh, especially after this, because I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna be in the front row, like feverishly taking notes while he's doing the new examples. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, can you slow down, Matthias, please? <laughs> I just can't write this fast. But no, seriously, NG Comp, super pumped about it. And then of course, NG Cruise. If you haven't gotten a ticket, I'm sure there are still some. Come aboard. Um, but yeah, that's all for me.
0: And you'll be uh, talking about animations at that,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm giving a, giving Bootstrap the boot talk at NGConf and then an animations talk at the cruise, on the cruise. Yes.
3: Sweet, Austin. Yeah. So um, Brian Tracone, I can't say his last name. He published a, a list of NgRx examples and. If you're curious about functional programming and Angular, you should definitely check it out. Uh, A really awesome list of examples to help you get started, et cetera. And then also ARJS, augmented reality for JavaScript. It's not Angular specific, but uh, it's a really, really awesome um, project. Uh, by Jerome I can't say his last name uh, talking about using augmented reality with the browser He demos it on a phone with 60 frames per second and webgl It's just I can't list enough buzzwords in that sentence <laughs> Cool
0: and Mike
4: uh, Just a recent article uh, by Pascal on uh, his thought Ram blog about using zones in angular for better performance um, really good read about how to supercharge performance within your application.
0: Nice, nice. Performance is always important. Um, all right, I got two picks. I've got uh, a recent blog post by Jürgen uh who's a ten-minute primer on JavaScript modules. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we got a lot of module stuff going on. So it, it breaks everything down. It's it's a really good read. And then, uh, ng girls. Uh, is going to be at ng doing a um, workshop and they just kind of announced that and we tweeted that out. That's pretty cool uh, to get women more involved in tech and, and do some Angular stuff and stuff as well. It looks like it'll, it's uh, probably April 4th, the day before ng-comp starts. So.
4: Yeah, I think it's the Tuesday before. Cool. All
0: right. That's uh, all we got for today. Uh, thanks a lot, Matthias, for coming on and sharing all the animation stuff. Thanks for all our panelists to prompting the the discussion, and uh, we'll catch everybody next week. Thank you, guys. Bye, bye.